More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Third hour, Clay and Buck kicks off right now. We've got our friend Vivek Ramaswamy with us now. He is running for President of the United States. He's in the Republican primary right now. Vivek, always appreciate you making the time for us. Good to be on, man. How are you? You know, pretty pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I wanted to get your take first off. I mean, we're, you know, we're... um, uh, on the cusp here of a, of a debate that you, you won't be a part of, one of your competitors, Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, will be tomorrow. This Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis throwdown, the blue state, red state, uh, Thunderdome, if you will, or, or, you know, the, the, the big, the big battle underway. What do you make of what we're seeing here? How do you think it's going to go? I, I don't really care one way or another. I think it's a, a random charade between you know, I think it's interesting how um, Ron DeSantis wasn't running for president for a year and a half while being a governor in much the same way that Gavin Newsom is also now not running for president. That's absolutely what Gavin Newsom is doing. So I think it's a nice little win for Gavin Newsom to be able to pre-bolster what will almost surely be the the seat that he takes as the Democratic nominee after they get their puppet Joe Biden out of the way. I do think that we're missing the point if we think that Joe Biden is really the nominee. The Republicans who have trained their fire on Joe Biden are missing the point that he's not really, in any meaningful sense, the president or the nominee. He is a puppet for the managerial class. And so in some ways, I think that this does a great favor to providing a platform for Gavin Newsom to be able to advance and get a head start on that presidential campaign, but without actually having declared it. And, you know, Republican establishment that once again continues scoring a series of own goals. It doesn't surprise me that they have failed to see that for what it is. I agree with you uh, that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee. Buck and I have a stake bet over I, this. I, I do not agree. So I think <laughs> yes. this is going off the rails real fast. But go ahead. So you may be able to come join us on that uh, on that dinner if we end up being correct. But... If you are right, and if I am right, that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee, you think it will be Gavin Newsom. How do they get past Kamala Harris without being racist and sexist 
And how does the fix happen? I was debating this with my wife the other uh, the other day. How do they go about removing Joe Biden? What do you think that process would look like? Because I agree with you that he's not yeah. going to be the guy. How do you see it playing out? Well, they've already got the cards lined up a little bit. So first of all, the Kamala Harris problem is easy. You make a hollowed out husk of a joke of the vice presidential role and have her do, be in the place where she can do the least damage possible. Be the vice president. Give her no responsibility. And that's the one thing that I would say that Joe Biden has done well is make sure that Kamala Harris doesn't have any responsibility. So I think the, the, the less she does for the country, some people make fun of her for not showing up. I think that's been one of the great national services she possibly could have done <laughs> was actually to stay far away from anything that affected this country. So I think that can just continue for another another four to eight years in the Democrats' view. So I think that's, that solves the identity politic problem. Now, what about the Biden problem? To the extent that there there is still a man who has some semblance of free will left in that in that uh, body, you know, what, what if he doesn't want to step aside and out of the way? Well, here's the answer to that. This is what the so-called documents investigation on Biden is all about. And a little bit of the Hunter Biden investigations play this role, too. These are cards that I think they don't want to pull unless they have to, but they are what you call in the business world a call option, right? I think that that's a option that they can exercise if they need to in order to get the old man out of the way. And so that's what that documents case is all about. And there's a, there's a little bit of a twofer built into that, because when they do that, even if Biden cries foul or whatever, they already have the narrative set up to say that, well, they said that we had a politicized investigation of Donald Trump in the documents case. But see, now we're just applying it even handedly, that there is actually one rule of law. That's sort of the Merrick Garland deep state line that they have ready to go. It legitimizes everything they're doing against Trump while also getting Biden out of the way in one fell swoop. And so I think that's kind of how the managerial class deep state operates. It operates and transcends above the lines of traditional partisanship. And so they'll just close the loop in both addressing the allegations of politicization of the justice system while using that very justice system or injustice system, as the case may be, to sideline Biden and achieve the actual goals of the managerial class that has lost or will have lost their use for Biden. So mark my words, or maybe I should say our words on that. <laughs> We're on the same At least one of us is on the same side of this. And I think yes. it'll be in the next three to four months that this happens. And I'll even give you a very specific prediction on timing. What they're waiting for is for the Trump trials to begin. And that's really when they'll be able to slip that in while minimizing the fallout from it. Because their bet is that he'll be almost the runaway nominee by then wait for his trials to begin, and then and then roll that out. I think that's what the establishment in the managerial class of the Democratic Party is currently thinking. Speaking of Vivek Ramaswamy, he is running for president. And Vivek, um, you've, you've got some interesting numbers uh, looking looking forward here into Iowa and, and New Hampshire. Um, what What is your pathway here, and, and, and why at this point? I mean, you're still still very much in the mix. Uh, why at this point should it be you and not just Donald Trump, who's out 30 points, 40 points, depending on the poll, ahead of the pack? Yeah, so look, I think it's going to take a leader from the next generation to do this. I think you get to be an outsider once, and unlike the other candidates who are trying to Monday morning quarterback Trump after kissing his feet and begging for money and endorsement for years, I'm the other way around. I have not been kissing Donald Trump's feet, but I respect his legacy, and, and I think that he's been an excellent president. But I think it's going to take somebody from the next generation now to take that America First movement to the next level. And if you look at there are certain things, I've, issues I've espoused in this race. I mean, from 
being open about the fact that Ukraine is not some democracy and our own taxpayer money is funding the persecution of Christians in Ukraine or the persecution of Christians in Armenia or, for that matter, the fact that we need to shut down agencies like the FBI or that Ronna McDaniel needs to be fired or the fact that the climate change agenda is a hoax and one of the Iowa-specific issues, a carbon capture pipeline that they're using and building across the state using eminent domain to seize the land of farmers to bury carbon dioxide into the ground. Across any of these issues, there's a reason why I'm the only Republican candidate who's actually been able to stand for these issues with a spine. I'm an outsider in this race. And you know what? Every politician is dancing to the tune that their biggest donor on that debate stage. In my case, that biggest donor is me. And I think that's a big difference between me and the rest of this field. I think Trump had a big element of that, which is why I respect him. But now it's going to take a leader from the next generation with fresh legs to actually reach the next generation. Forty percent of our donors right now are first time ever donors to the Republican Party, which is unheard of in our party. It's normally two percent. We're bringing young people along in droves. So I think I can win that general election and landslide by bringing those young people along. I also think my path that you're asking about, I think we're going to shock the world with what we do in those first two primary states, including in Iowa. So I'm undoubtedly among the major candidates right now, the underdog. But I think that's exactly where we want to be sitting. We're going to shatter expectations in Iowa and New Hampshire, and that's going to propel us forward to the rest of this race. And, you know, I think that having the expectations set where they are is exactly where we want them. You know, the guys running my Iowa operation used to do this for both of Santorum in 2012 and then Ted Cruz in 16. And, you know, I'm pulling ahead of where Santorum was at this time in that race, and he ended up winning Iowa. Santorum didn't have the money to continue, though. In my case, we've lived the American dream. We are stopping at nothing to succeed in reviving this country. And so, yes, I'm confident we're going to be able to go the distance. You've done more events, I saw you share this, uh, than anybody. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis in second place. If you are not correct, right, let's say you don't uh, shatter expectations and you're not the clear number two in Iowa or New Hampshire, would you consider endorsing anyone other than Donald Trump? Or if at some point you have to put your support behind someone else, is it fair to say Trump has got your support, uh, that he would be your guy? Or would you consider Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie or somebody else? I mean, I, I mean, I think someone like a Nikki Haley should come nowhere within spitting distance of the White House, not just in the presidency, but even as it relates to touching our foreign policy and marching us into World War III so they can make more money off of it. So put that to one side. I've said it's been very clear since the beginning. There's two America First candidates in this race, and I think it needs to be one of us that leads this country. That's Donald Trump or myself. I think I'm uniquely positioned to take our agenda further because I can reach the next generation to do it. And you know what? So I expect Donald Trump's full support if I'm the nominee, and he'll have my full support if he's a nominee. But I think that it's got to be an America first candidate, and there's really only two of them in this race. And I think both of us can win a general, but I think I could do this in a landslide, and I can do this in a way that, frankly, goes further with our own agenda because we're going to bring that next generation along. We're already seeing that in this campaign, and I think that's the way I'm going to lead this country as well. So I've been crystal clear about that. I think it's it, the answer to your question is not even close. It's either Trump yeah. or myself. Okay, so we had Chris Christie on Wednesday. And I asked him the same question, and he said, obviously, he's very anti-Trump. He specifically said that he wouldn't support you. He said he would support Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. Mitt Romney basically said the same thing. 
Why do you think Chris Christie and Mitt Romney have that perspective? And I'm curious, given that Mitt Romney was the nominee in 2012, can you think of a bigger Republican turncoat than Mitt Romney? It'd be hard. I'd be hard-pressed to do it. I think that his niece, who's running the RNC, has been an abysmal failure. Ronna Romney McDaniel, who is running the Republican National Committee, has led us through failure after failure after failure after failure. 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2023. Her salary's nearly tripled in the meantime, and so I called for her resignation. So I think that that family, uh, you know, doesn't, I think, have a lot of warm feelings towards me. But the reason is deeper than that. It's an ideological divide in the GOP. Do you want to go back in the direction of Dick Cheney in believing that it's the job of the U.S. to serve as the global arbiter, as the policeman of the world, while a bunch of people in the military-industrial complex get to make money doing it, from Dick Cheney to Nikki Haley to a lot of people on the Democratic side who are benefiting from this financial grift of our military-industrial complex as well? Is that direction you want to go? Or do you want to go to a future where the U.S. president has a sole moral duty to the U.S citizens right here at home that's a fundamental ideological split and i think that chris christie and mitt romney and carl rove and dick cheney and nikki haley and lindsey graham and you know you just go straight down the list of that republican establishment chris sununu whatever they're all on one side of that ideological divide and on a certain day ron DeSantis is too though sometimes he's uh you know, Schrodinger's Ron, as I like to call him. You never know whether he's inside, what, which side of the wall he's actually on, to, to play on a physics analogy here. But, you know, I think that everybody else, you know where they are. They're on one side of that divide. And I think Donald Trump and I are on the other side of that divide. And so it's clear why that Mitt Romney, he was clear. He said he would rather vote for a Democrat in 2024 than Donald Trump or myself. I take that as a kind of positive endorsement, but I don't think he meant it that way. Regardless, I think America First is the way of the future. I think we're bringing along... Actually, I was just in an event. I'm here in rural Iowa looking at farmland on a bus as we're talking here. We actually just at that last event, I had a number of people who were independents, one of whom was a libertarian, said he switched over his registration so that he's able to vote in the caucus for us. These people are not polled. These people, I think, are going to be what allow us to shock the world. The set of people who are not polled, who are actually supporting us, the numbers are wild in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Iowa in particular, that's going to be a shock. And so I think we're going to be successful in not only winning the nomination, but precisely because I'm getting that backing. I think I can win the general in a landslide like what Reagan delivered in 1980. And I know that sounds about as ridiculous for me to say as it did for Reagan to say in November of 79. But that's what I think we're on track to do. And, you know, it's not just even winning the election that's the destination for me. That's just the start line. The destination is January 2033 when I leave this office after two terms. What do I want to say we did? I think we're going to shut down the deep state, declare independence from China, keep us out of World War III, revive national pride in this country. And I think I'm the single candidate who can do those things better than anybody else. And so we're going to see this through to the end, and I think we're going to be successful in doing it. Vivek Ramaswamy, everybody. Vivek, appreciate you being here. Thank you, guys. Take care. That is going to be interesting, right? If he's right and he's going to bring out a lot of new voters, then that would be intriguing to see. If he's not, and he doesn't exceed expectations, I, I don't know that I've seen him say anywhere else that he would endorse Donald Trump. It's not shocking, but I think he's the only person remaining in the race who would endorse Trump. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit more when uh, when we come back. In the meantime, MyPillow, company focused on making comfortable products for your home. No matter what you get to experience in the way of their products, pillows, sheets, slippers, their towels, 
They're all manufactured with comfort in mind. New line of towels, perfect example. Soft, thick towels, absorbent from the first time you use them. You won't find these my my towels from my pillow in stores, but you'll find them online. If you're looking to replace and upgrade your towels, you'll be amazed you can get towels of this quality and for 50% off. The introductory price on a six-piece set, just $29.98. Designer premium line, just 20 bucks more. Every set comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go online to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. You'll find the My Towels right there in a multitude of colors. Use our names, Clay and Buck, for the 50% off. That's MyPillow.com. Use the code Clay and Buck. Speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Just still wanted to touch base on this year for a second. Play um, Hunter Biden is out there, and he is saying he's going on offense. I'd mentioned this one before, um, and and Corinne Jean Pierre here is saying that you know really they should just focus on the American people's families and and not Hunter Biden. This has to do with his potential testimony to Congress. Play six here, would you? Hunter Biden's attorney Abby Lowell has offered to testify, but publicly. Does the White House support that? Will White House counsel advise him? And should a witness get to uh, 
negotiate under those terms on how how they should be able to testify. House Republicans should should really focus on American families instead of the president's family. That's what Americans want to see. Focus on the American families and their needs and what they want uh, and not the president's family. What do you make of all this? I mean, first of all, I know she's saying what she has to say there, but Hunter saying he wants to testify, but it has to be public and all this wrangling. What is this? I admire the chutzpah from Hunter Biden, who seems to have decided that he wants to try to start to throw punches of his own right now. And for people out there who are wondering, what's the difference here? In a deposition, you're not getting defended half the time. Um, and, and when you have this public hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, Buck, but everybody gets five minutes to ask questions and you basically alternate between Democrat and Republican. So all Hunter Biden would turn into just a public mess and both sides would be able to claim victory. And we know how this would be covered by the media. Now I'd still like to see it. I still think that Hunter Biden is taking on a risk by being under oath to make commentary in front of Congress. I think Vivek's answer there was really interesting, that it's a version of what I kind of thought might happen, but that the Democrats are finally going to say to Joe Biden, hey, the gig's up, Trump's on trial now, you've got your own criminal culpability, either we're going to have to turn uh, our cannons in some way on you, or you can ride off into the sunset, claim victory, say that you don't have the health or stamina to still be president of the United States, pardon your son, and allow yourself to be considered the victor. I think that's a really interesting angle, uh, and I could see it playing out like that. And I then would, of course, invite Vivek to come out for stakes with us and make you pay for his stake as well. That because that's probably be fair. fair. That would be fair. Uh, now, and by the way, Vivek should be paying for all the stakes, given he's a billionaire, but I'd make you pay instead. Uh, next seven weeks, uh, out-and-out sprint for those involved in the Republican primary process. You'll see a countdown clock popping up everywhere, 49 days, 48 days, 47 days. These guys are working 18 to 20-hour days, minimal exceptions right now. Energy like that doesn't come without reinforcement. Men and women out there on the campaign trail, they'd all benefit from subscriptions to Chalk's Vitality Stack set of supplements. Version made for men, leading ingredient proven to replenish diminished testosterone levels. In fact, in just three months' time, you can show a 20% increase in your testosterone levels. Chalk's Vitality Stack for women, formulated to provide a healthier hormone balance as well. Men and women could both use it. You need to check it out, chalk.com, C-H-O-Q. 35% off subscriptions for life when you use my name, Clay, C-L-A-Y, in the purchase process. That's C-H-O-Q.com. My name, Clay. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, we got a wacky update here. Um, A lot of you may have seen this story because it's gone quite viral. A kid went to the Kansas City Chiefs game against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas on Sunday was shown on television. Kid had his face painted. Uh, half of it was red, half of it was black. It matched his red Chiefs jersey, Travis Kelsey jersey, uh, and his black T-shirt that was underneath that jersey. Color-coordinated. One of the four colors for the Kansas City Chiefs is black. And he wore a headdress. Kansas City Chiefs, you can see like a Chief would have a headdress. Picture was taken off of a television broadcast. A website called Deadspin wrote about it, demanded that the kid be punished. Kid's mom has now spoken out. 
Story was up on Fox News. Story was up on OutKick. It has gone mega viral. And she says that the kid's grandfather and father are Native American. And that he was honoring his grandfather and his father by being both a football fan and wearing the Chiefs headdress to a game. This is just a perfect identity politics plot twist. By the way, the reason it went viral the first time was because a photo, the video still shot of the photo, half of his face was black. And so sports media members said, oh, my goodness, this is blackface. And then when the full picture came out showing that he was half uh, red-faced, right, like painted in Chiefs colors, uh, they then said, oh, this is awful, too, because of the headdress that he was wearing. Now the mom is saying her son is Native American. He has been wronged by the media coverage surrounding this. He is an elementary school kid, and I think she's got, Buck, one heck of a lawsuit now because her son has been branded a racist, uh, you know, bigot. First of all, he's an elementary school kid, but now he is, according to this, uh, this report, the mom, uh, is married to a Native American and the kid is honoring his grandfather, who I believe they said sits on a Native American council. Oh, this is an amazing plot I, I twist. I think we know that, that Deadspin and, and, um, whoever the writer is at Deadspin who first put this, this post up, they had known that the, what is he, like 10 year old kid or something? He looks to be, I think he's even younger than that, but yes, eight, like eight, a eight like, year old kid. Yeah. Um, was, in any way, you know, look, if it wasn't a kid who was white who had the face paint on, I don't think that Deadspin would have gone after him. Now, correct, the kid, the kid, you know, appears to be white, but the fact that he has Native American heritage, his father is apparently Native American, according to the story, uh, complicates things from the complicates things from the leftist intersectional point of view on on all of this. Um, it, it strikes me that uh, they obviously would would have to defer a little bit more if they had known about this but they didn't know and they went after this this young young person in a way also it's so obviously bad faith i think that's why people have reacted to this the way that they have it is so clearly done in bad faith that you know it, the kid has red on one side of his face black on the other the team colors we all know exactly what's going on here there's no person who can make the case that this was meant to be a racial mockery, at least in terms of the, uh, you know, face paint. The, yeah. I, I, he can't get in trouble for dressing up like a chief, apparently, because his dad is Native American, right? So maybe there's, yes. there's more leeway because of that. But no one thinks that he was doing blackface and mockery of, of anyone, um, of, you know, anyone who was black. And yet they did this anyway. And I think that just goes to the mindset of, they're, the left is always on a search and destroy mission, and I think they're trying to push as much as they can, as far as they can, whatever the rules are that they have here to see. Well, maybe now we can tell people, maybe we can get someone on this. You know, it, it sets like a new example of how extreme some of these rules are that are constantly changing. Yeah, and also intent matters, and it's like intent doesn't matter in anything anymore. You know, the the, the people who wrote our criminal code years and years ago, focus a great deal on whether you intend to commit a crime or not, or whether you're just engaging in negligent, negligent behavior. How many people out there are legitimately wearing 
face paint to change the color of their, you know, otherwise skin, right, through face paint, to ridicule a race at this point in time. I mean, I mean, and honestly, nationwide, how often is that happening? Now, people might make decisions to, uh, you sometimes see this with, uh, for instance, immigrant children, right? Like if you just suddenly moved here from, uh, I don't know, Switzerland, and your kid was dressing up and they were dressing up as a black performer, maybe you don't know anything about the history of blackface and you're like, okay, it's Halloween, I'm trying to dress somebody up, right? My point on this is intent should be all that matters. If your intent is to be racist and demean someone based on their race, as we have seen, frankly, a lot of people do uh, surrounding the uh, Israeli terror attacks, right? Attack yeah. people based on their ethnicity, based on their religious, based on their religion. That should not happen, and you should be rightly condemned for it. But a little kid to costume? I mean, who is actually harmed by this? And there's actually now, Buck, a video of the kid doing the tomahawk chop and members of the Kansas City Chiefs joining with him and doing the tomahawk chop on the sideline as they often do in Arrowhead Stadium where the Kansas City Chiefs play to celebrate the fact that they beat uh, the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So the players aren't offended by the guy in the, the little kid in the Chiefs headdress uh, with the painted face. Do They're doing the, the, the tomahawk chop with him. I also feel like this is a reminder that uh, to be a truly committed leftist, you, you have to uh, you have to be willing to cert- go on a search and destroy mission for anyone who is like having too much fun. You know, I, I think that there is a misery. Um, there is yeah. a a the essence of the malcontent is at the heart of contemporary American leftism. These are people who are deeply unhappy. And when they see someone who's not from a group that they think is victimized or protected having too much fun, the opportunity to just crush that, I, I think they jump. Clay, who who gets mad about? No, this isn't totally in a vacuum. To be clear, yeah, they went after this. Let's call him eight. I don't know what his age is. Eight year old kid dressed up as the chief, and his photos everywhere now. But people have rallied to his defense. Same thing when you get into the Halloween costumes every year yeah. for little kids. Who ob- who objects to that stuff? The left. They find reasons to say, oh, you know, you can't dress up as like Native American costume. You can't dress up as, you know, the uh, Native Americans from Peter Pan or whatever. Can't play Cowboys and Indians anymore. Dress up for it. That's where I think it's so funny. The left objects to little kids dressing up as Cowboys and Indians while ridiculing anyone who doesn't uh, accept the gender of uh, a grown man who decides that he's a woman. And that segues into something I'm going to be doing a little bit later this evening, Buck. I can't wait to do it. I think we're going to have some of these guys on as guests on Friday. Uh, the Daily Wire guys have made a comedy called Lady Ballers about a group of guys that dress up like women and claim to be a women's basketball team in an effort to win a championship. I'm in the movie. I am coaching a women's basketball team that is getting dominated by the boys pretending to be girls. So uh, I don't know how my role will be perceived. I only have a few lines, uh, but uh, I've never been to a movie premiere, so I'm going to walk the red carpet with my wife. And in the process, Riley Gaines will also be there. In the process, ridicule the idea that men could decide to become women's athletes and win championships, which is something that I think 
90% of people with functional brains and are sports fans agree with, uh, but something that most people at ESPN wouldn't say publicly because they're afraid of being called anti-trans. When the reality is, be whatever sex you want, but just don't claim that you're the woman of the year <laughs> when you decide to swim or compete against women in uh, in any kind of athletic event. 800-282-2882 on those phone lines. Give us a call. Switch to Pure Talk and benefit from a great offer right now. There's a free Moto G 5G phone waiting for you when you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 15 gigabyte data plan. It's just 35 bucks and get the Moto 5G phone for free. This phone's good. This deal is great, but it's going to go fast, certainly before the end of this month. So if your current phone is on its last legs, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, a quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just dial pound 250 and say keywords Clay and Buck to speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team. They make switching so easy and will make sure you get your new phone. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price, so make the switch today. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to claim your free Moto 5G phone with qualifying plan. That's pound 250, say Clay and Buck. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Need a break from politics? A little comedy to counter the craziness? So do we. The Sunday Hang. A weekend podcast to lighten things up a bit. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media. Spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? 
It looked like my baggage. I mean, I know... Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We talked with Julie Kelly in hour two. We talked with Vivek Ramaswamy at the top of this hour. Encourage you... Go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment of what is going on there. And uh, we think that you will continue to enjoy it, no matter where you are across the country. Wanted to mention uh, this. We we talked about Jamie Dimon, uh, the uh, super, I would say, connected uh, investment guru banker in New York City. And he also is totally enamored of Nikki Haley. And he even said on CNBC, I believe this was this morning, that he thought liberals should show up in the primary and vote for Nikki Haley. Listen to what he said. We have an election coming up uh, in about a year. What do you think of the the, the two leading candidates right now? Oh, God, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you. You're not going to tell I me. I did come out and make a nice statement about Nikki Haley. You did. Even I mean, you've been talking to Nikki Haley. Liberal, yes, I have. Even if you're a very liberal Democrat, I urge you, you know, help Nikki Haley, too. You know, get a choice on a Republican side that might be better than Trump. Jamie Dimon, liberal Democrats, go out and vo- vote for Nikki Haley. That might help her in the general. And I do think Nikki Haley, if she were the nominee, would win a general election. But... This battle for the second spot now, and I was looking at the odds markets, and Nikki Haley has edged up to roughly even with Ron DeSantis now in who's going to come into second place in Iowa. We talked about yesterday, we opened the show with just the raw math. I question whether Nikki Haley could win a Republican primary against Trump, but if there were independents, as is certainly the case in New Hampshire, and or Democrats who might show up given the fact that Democrats don't have a contested primary, that could start to get a little bit interesting, Buck, because that would expand the number of people who might be willing to vote. And again, given the fact that Democrats right now are not going to have a contested primary, it's a lot about uh, sort of the equivalent of what Rush said back in 2020 uh, when Trump was obviously running without opposition and Democrats were trying to pick their nominee and he suggested that some Republicans could decide to go vote in the Democrat primaries as a part of that process. I wonder, when I hear Jamie Dimon say that, whether we might have to factor in how exactly the Republican primaries are going to go and whether there might be more people who show up that are not traditional Republican voters. That would be a game-changer that could alter the math in a way that maybe I hadn't thought about. Well, you know, there's also... um the third party situation that's going to factor into this, right? I mean, it's, it's so, there are so many competing variables. That's why when we say things like, well, could the Biden administration's, um, problems with the Muslim American community cost the election? Yeah, but there are probably 20 other things we could think about that may cost them the election, right? So it's very hard in advance of all of this to figure out what that one thing is is likely to be um but i i do think that you're going to see a lot of i know you'll see a lot of gamesmanship around how they're going to try to get the most votes they need in certain places in certain states and remember there was that effort uh in the 2022 election we've talked about this to help some of the more 
hard right candidates in Congress get wins yes. in the primary. Democrats spent money to do this. People can dislike that reality, but that is what happened. They did that, and most of the time they ended up being victorious. I should clear something up. I said that was CNBC. That's actually a New York Times conference. You could hear people reacting and laughing in the background there uh, that Andrew Ross Sorkin was asking a question of Jamie Dimon at a New York Times event. And, Buck, you're right, because that ultimately calls into question and ridicule how illegitimate the argument is that democracy is truly under attack, because if you really believe that, you wouldn't be getting involved in all of these different Republican primaries to pick the candidate that you thought was most likely to lose to the Democrat, because you would be terrified that the candidate that you supported might actually win. I'm not saying the Democrats are going to be organized in that way in some form or fashion, but... Absent a competitive primary on their own side, and in particular, as you consider, I mean, even Vivek just told us that he thinks he's bringing in a lot of new voters to the Iowa caucuses. There probably are going to be a lot of non-traditional Republican voters showing up as a part of Republican primaries and caucuses because they want to be involved in the political process, but there isn't a two-way dynamic primary process because Joe Biden, at least so far, has managed to avoid all challengers that might otherwise rise up to threaten him. Although, here's a little bit of a a wild card for you, Buck. We talked about Mark Cuban selling the Dallas Mavericks to the Adelsons, um, the gambling family, Sheldon Adelson. What if Mark Cuban decided to run in the Democrat primary against Joe Biden? Because I think Mark Cuban has sensibilities that would suggest that he's kind of a middle-of-the-road guy. But what if he's just super rich and he's fed up that nobody is challenging Joe Biden and he decided the way to really kind of reconfigure the entire primary process was to spend a billion dollars and try to win the Democrat nomination? I don't know what the deadlines are to file, but while some people are focused on the idea that he might be running as a third party, given the relationship with the Adelsons, and their relationship with Trump, could Mark Cuban be making a play to be the Democrat nominee in 2024? I mean, I can't, I can't say no, but it feels well, he's like basically that's... what Bloomberg did, right? Like Bloomberg suddenly parachutes in at the last possible moment and thinks, Hey, if I spend a billion dollars, I can win this thing. Most of them traditionally have all done the math and said, you can't win as a third party candidate. You need to be a major party nominee. I'm just tossing it out there. Given the Adelson connection, could they think to themselves, well, we're giving Mark Cuban billions of dollars, but he's going to potentially undercut Joe Biden in the process? I Just something to think about that I haven't seen discussed anywhere else. Could You're, you're, you're talking about a version of Operation Chaos here, my friend. You're talking yes. about people making some big moves here to play a little 4D chess, perhaps. Yes. And make it uh, make it have a big effect on the outcome of the election. Oh man, we we shall see, Mr. Clay. Very very intriguing thoughts and processes here. Let us know what you think. Please send us emails for our VIPs. And um, man, I can't believe it's already Wednesday. It feels like this week is flying by. Excited to talk to you all tomorrow. And Clay is going to have fun on the red carpet tonight. Take some I selfies, am. We'll Clay. see how it goes. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.